The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we hear the word abundant quite a bit these days. Many people use it to talk about the law of attraction or to talk about whether or not we are living in a way that attracts what brings us the amount of money or abundance that we need. Mostly, we think of this word in terms of money. We can't seem to help it. Our world is virtually run by money. When we want something, the first thing we think of is whether or not we can afford it. When we want to go somewhere, the first thing we think of is how we will pay for it. This is the way the world works. But it is not the way abundance works. In fact, abundance is the truth of our existence. We just don't see it. During this one-hour show, we're going to learn all about the nature of abundance and how we can learn to see it. So be here for the whole thing. You don't want to miss this. So what do we mean when we say abundance? Abundance is an overflow. Your cup runneth over. You're, you're full to overflowing with the, the, the good things, the wonderful things, the peaceful things, the graceful things, the beautiful things of life. So what does that mean? For most of us, it means, well, we must, we're going to have to have a whole bunch of money. So let's just talk about that piece and get that off the table right now. Um, it, well, we'll put it back on the table closer to the end, but we're going we're gonna to kind of at least partially get it off the table now. Human beings are the only species that thinks it needs money to survive. Now, when you think about that and the number of spiritual people who have taught us that they gave up everything in order to have everything, um, we, ha- we might need to rethink why, how it is that we're sticking money into this whole thing. So... For just a second here, we need to talk about the law of attraction and put that to rest as well because many, many, many people believe that if they think positive and, and, and do positive things and stay positive and keep their feelings positive and create a vision board and do all of those things, they're going to have lots of money. Um, I think it's possible to create a lot of abundance and I do think it's possible to earn a lot of money. Uh, certainly, we have uh, 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 evidence of that right now in our economy, as we can see that there's a widening gap between the people that are extremely wealthy and the people that are extremely poor, with the middle class striving after to be in that part of this that's in the wealthy, and some of them falling into the extremely poor. We are slowly losing our middle class because of this whole issue of money. We have begun to believe over the past century in particular, but it's always been true to some degree or another, that 
we have to have a lot of money in order to have a lot of happiness. And while we can give lip service to the idea that uh, money doesn't bring happiness, that's not what we really think. (laughs) What we really think is if I had a lot of money, then I could be really happy. And so we think that we have to have that a lot of money in order to have an abundant life. So the first thing we think of when somebody talks about abundant living, go ahead and confess it now, the first thing you think of is money. And why is that? It's because we've been trained to believe that money is the answer to everything. But truly, once upon a time, there was no such thing as money. There's always been trees and flowers and clouds and wind and ocean, but there's not always been money. That is a man-made creation And we think we're really smart to have created it. And we think that we have found a way to uh, make trade more equitable. But actually what we've done is stick something between us and our divine nature. Because the real truth is that we already have everything. Everything already belongs to each one of us. We own it. We can use it. We can claim it. It's ours. Everything, the wind, the sky, the trees, the, the, you know, the, the positions, the, the happiness, the joy, the freedom, all of that belongs to us already. There's a passage in uh, the Tanakh of the Old Testament uh, the, and the Jewish Tanakh in the Old Testament of the Christian faith that says, The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I had need of something, I wouldn't tell you. And that's God talking to man. That's the God of the Old Testament or the Jewish God talking to man, saying, I've already got it all. And then we hear later in the New Testament in uh, Jesus telling his disciples not to worry about anything because God knows what we need. There's other texts, you know, when, where, the, where the Buddha talks about letting go of everything to have everything. There, you know, there are, are texts in the Bhagavad Gita where it talks about... Um, living in divine self, and that means we already own everything. So this this is a a basic spiritual, mystical concept that everything is already ours. The problem is we don't have the eyes to see it, and because we don't see it, we don't believe it, and because we don't believe it, we don't operate out of it. And that is the problem with abundant living, not the the thing we have, the law of attraction is not, What's missing here? What's missing here is vision. Okay, so the reason that the law of attraction, as we understand it, uh, and as we've been taught about it, isn't true, is because it assumes that money or things or the, the happiness we want is separate from us and we must thereby attract it. That isn't true. It's not separate from us. It's never been separate from us and it never will be separate from us. It already belongs to us. But we just don't see it. And the correction there is not in trying to, to think positive thoughts and stay positive in the positive feelings and repress everything that's negative and try really hard to stay on the positive side of things so that the, the, God, the gods that are of positivity will positively uh, bless your life. <laughs> it's not about that. Uh, the, the real law of attraction, as you know if you've read my book, uh, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, 
is that we're attracted to and by all those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer and closer to knowing lifetime after lifetime who we are as divine beings. And what that means is that we will also come closer and closer to knowing that we already have everything. So, okay, that's a little bit about money. So let's talk about time. That's another one of those things that we just can't ever get enough of, right? Especially if we're very future-focused. We've got to get to this place where we have this thing that we're looking for, and we're goal-directed, and isn't that the American way? And aren't we good people, and aren't we facilitating the American dream by going after the future headstrong, with our feet behind us and the wind in our face? Aren't we good American citizens when we do that? Well, yeah, maybe, but... We're running out of time that way because we think in terms that of time as a limited thing. The fact is, again, we already own all time. And the reality is that there is no such thing as time. Time is a man-made invention, just like money is a man-made invention. And time is, is meant to give us uh, an understanding or a measurement of the way the sun evolves around, the earth revolves around the sun and the, uh, how much sunlight we're going to have and how much darkness we're going to have. But none of that has anything to do with how much time we actually have to accomplish the tasks we want to accomplish. When we relax and let go of time, we get a whole lot more accomplished. Why is that? Because we're not living in the time zone anymore. We're living in the timeless zone. When we start living in terms of not, I've got to get this done before 5 o'clock tonight, but rather, it'll get done when it's the right time for it to get done, and not right now I'm focusing on this, then we get a whole lot more done. And we might even get it done by 5 o'clock, whereas if we're trying to race to get it done, plus all the other things we have to get done, and we're looking at the t- clock, we're living in the time zone. We're not living in the timeless zone. And therefore, we don't get as much done. It's, it's psychological. It's the same thing as age. Time and age are, go hand in hand. We think of age in the same exact way that we think of time. We're running out of time and we're running out of youth. And, uh, and, and that, that vision is what blocks us. That way of viewing life is what blocks us. Um, some people say it's even what makes us biologically grow old. Christiane Northrup was just on the Oprah show on the uh, Super Soul Sunday this past weekend talking about that very thing saying that uh, that we don't really age, we just think we age, and how we can change our biological age by realizing that we are, uh, the way I would say it, I don't think she would say it this way, but the way I would say it is that by, we, by realizing we're divine beings who are ageless. If there's no time, there's no age, <laughs> and there is no time. But and we can prove that to ourselves by moving out of time and into the zone of I'm gonna I'm focused on this right now. This is what gives me the most joy and the most peace. This is what I'm really gonna do because this is where my energy really wants to be. And then everything gets done. It just gets done. So we have plenty of time. We have an abundance of time. We have an overflowing of time. We just don't think we do because we don't live there. We live by our watches. And, and, and when we do that, we're actually taking time away from ourselves. And it's the same thing with money. We actually take money away from ourselves. The more we live into money is going to make me have what I want. And we strive after money to get what we want. And what we lose is the joy of living along the way, which means that we don't have the energy to put into the things that will actually get us money. 
So it's a catch-22 here that we live into. The same is true of energy. Energy works the same exact way. We have an abundance, an overflow of energy, and yet we're always tired. Why is that? It's because we're living in the zone that says that we don't have enough energy, that we're not divine beings, that we run out of energy, that we can get really tired, uh, and, and, and therefore we can exhaust ourselves running after, trying to multitask, trying to get things done on time, trying to, you know, get that money, get that buck, do, you know, get it all done. We exhaust ourselves doing that because we, we, A, we think that time is limited, money is limited, we de- we're never going to have enough of it, um, and energy, therefore, is also limited. So it is our limited viewpoint about life that tells us this, that tells us that we don't have enough time, money, energy, or hope. Our hope is based on this kind of fragmented view of life that says that someday the earth's going to end and, and, and when we look around at all the environmental concerns that we have right now, there's a lot of us going out there with our big signs and our posters screaming that the world is coming to an end because we're not taking good enough care of the environment. Now, let me be clear. I am very much an advocate of our environmental care because I love planet Earth and because I think that to be destructive of it is just so sad. But I don't think it's because the world's going to end with a bang, not a whimper. I think that the, I think that that there is a constancy about abundance that says we can uh that the that there is a there is a constant supply and so I, I i'm not worried about the world ending but i do am very concerned about how we treat each other nature animals and all of all of the abundance of planet earth so i think that's important to note um but we because we think of that in ter- in terms of limits the world's going to end one day and look at all the people that are doing terrible things and look at all the you know uh, the ways we're destroying the earth and look at all the the politics that's just so entrapping and uh, um, unethical look at that just look at that and it makes us feel hopeless because we're by, we're living in the external vision of how things look to a person who's looking at it instead of living from the internal version of reality, which is a divine version of reality, which says everyone on the planet already has everything they need. We just can't see it. Now, uh, the first thing, your first argument about that, the first very rational, actually, argument about that is that, well, look around, Andrea. Hello, wake up. We don't have everything. Look at all the starving children in the world here in the United States and across the sea and in uh, in uh, companies, countries that are underdeveloped as well as wealthy countries. We have the poor everywhere. And, you know, we can look at that and we can say, wow, that's really, you know, that says that, no, it's not true that we don't have everything. But actually, it's still true. The truth is we have plenty, let's just use money for an example, we have plenty of money. Think about all the billionaires out there. Think about a vice president of Apple earning $87 million a year, a year. Think about that. Um, Who knows what the president earns, 
Who knows what any of them earn? The, the, the amount of money that is going around out there and just sitting there, not being used to help serve the people that are so desperately in need of it, says that we have enough money. We're just not using it well. We're not spreading it out. We're not uh, utilizing our stewardship to actually take that money and make sure everybody on the planet is well-fed. We could do that. We just don't. Why? Because we're scared of limitation. Every person that hoards their million dollars is scared to death of losing that million dollars because if they don't have it, then they're going to be poor too. But if all of us thought in terms of limitlessness, if all of us thought in terms of a constant supply that we don't that money is not our supply, that the divine nature within us is our supply, then we would not be worrying about that. We wouldn't care. We would we would we wouldn't give away all of our money. <laughs> we would keep some for ourselves, but we would also make sure that nobody went hungry and that nobody was went without a house to live in. Or a place to stay. And that uh, mentally ill people uh, who are homeless and living on the streets have a place to go and have, a, have food to eat. Um, so we can do, we could do that. We can do that. We just haven't agreed to do that yet. Maybe someday we will, but we haven't yet. And so when we look at all of that out there, a lot of us feel pretty hopeless the world's never going to change. People are bad. People don't care about each other. There's so much greed out there. There's murder and rape and serial killers and all kinds of terrible, awful, no good things that are happening all the time. So why should we have any hope? And that, that very thinking is based in the idea that we are separate from the divine and that there is no supply for us. There is no supply of hope, of energy, of time, of love, of all the things that we need to, to exist and live abundantly here on this planet. So our lack of vision is the problem because we cannot see that we already have everything. We don't already have everything. And we act in that way. We believe that way. We act that way. We think that way. We talk that way. We walk that way. We go to sleep that way. We eat our food that way. Everything in our lives, everything we do in our lives is based on this belief that there's not enough and we have to scrabble for our own. Because if we're not taking care of us, ain't nobody taking care of us. And therefore, we continue to struggle. So... When I say that there is enough for everyone, I mean there is enough and an overflowing abundance for everyone. If we could just all sit down together and figure out how to pass money around, just money, forget, forget all the rest of the supply out there, just money, there would be enough for everyone. Uh, when I think about a, a silly movie that is going to end up as a B movie that... Uh, you know, won't even hit a, as big an audience as it wants to hit, spends $20 million on that movie that that is just a, a silly little inconsequential movie, and I think about all the starving children all over the world, put that together in your head. That, that money could have gone to doing something real instead of making a silly little inconsequential nothing movie. 
Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have movies. I think movies are glorious, and I love movies, and I love watching actors grow into themselves. I think that career is just as valid as any other. But I, but I think we need to rethink this thing about limitation, and that's what we're talking about today when we talk about abundance. So we're going to talk about that some more. We're going to talk about how we got into this place where we think in such a limited fashion right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you just getting started on the path to metaphysical healing of yourself? Would you like to have some fun as you find out more? Join Julia Stubbe each week as she guides you through the Energetic Toy Box. This show will gift you the basic foundation and tools as you discover your spiritual path on a deeper level, encouraging the exploration of many facets and concepts such as chakras, healing, meditation, crystals, and more, so that you can use these in your daily life. The Energetic Toy Box is here for you every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. What is spiritual spelunking? It's basically an exploration of the truth, our own unique truth. Every single person in the world has a reason to be here. Although we are told many things, it's ultimately up to us to figure it all out. The search continues throughout our entire lives. Join host Giles Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on this journey. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a Ph.D., a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, 
metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journey. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about abundance and what it means to live an abundant life and, and, and literally the art of abundant living. So what we've said so far is that we have a limited belief system with regard to um, time, money, energy, hope. We've mentioned those four at least. Um, and, and there's more to be said about all of those. But for right now, I want to sort of take you on a little journey to back to the beginning of time. The begin, not the beginning of time, the beginning of humanity. When, uh, when we were created uh, as, as the essence, as essential energy. Um, and this is the story that's in the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Bible is just a metaphor, but it's very useful because it gets us to a place where we can begin to understand how we got where we are today. So, man was planted in the Garden of Eden. Uh, The Garden of Eden is a metaphor for our conscious awareness of who we are as divine beings. So, the Garden of Eden is is a consciousness. And what we knew back then was that we, as Elohim, had created ourselves anew as form. The problem was, however, that as form, we began to... uh, want to experiment with what form would be if form could consider itself to be separate from its creator. So it's kind of like, you you know, you've painted this picture and the picture says, okay, now I'm on my own and I'm going to mean whatever I say I mean. And that's actually true. What actually happens once we've painted a, a picture and put it on canvas and sold it to an art gallery or to an art gallery to sell, then... What happens is every viewer views it from the perspective of that viewer. Therefore, it no longer belongs to the artist. So there is a sense in which the creation becomes its own. And when we did that, we had to begin to really answer some very important questions about reality. Is it true that if I can be on my own, I am therefore separate from the divine? And that metaphor that's used of where Eve eats of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a metaphor in which 
she's actually incorporating into the body-mind the idea that we can be separate from the divine. And that became our trance state. And so a trance state works like this. If, I, if I'm a little child, a little infant, surrounded by people who are all very left brain people and very engineer types, let me say it that way, who are very practical, very logical, very oriented toward the, the, the sensation, the, the empirical data of life, um, and I happen to be born as a right brain person who's very creative, not works in the area of the illogical, but also can form from that things that aren't thought of from the life, left brain. I'm born into that, and I'm surrounded by that, and I begin to demonstrate that I am a right-brained, right-brained person. What's very likely to happen is that the very logically ordered, systematic people who surround me are going to start telling me that I'm thinking wrong and that I have to think more like them. And so I'm going to really try to do that, but I'm probably not going to be able to do it. And so I'm going to end up feeling like I'm less than them in some kind of way. I'm different, A, and I'm less than them, B, and there's something really, really wrong with me. And that's going to be reinforced by everyone in that world that keeps telling me that I should think more logically, that I should stop trying to do artwork, that I should get into math, that I'm not smart if I'm not doing math or science, that kind of stuff. And what's going to happen is I'm going to be entranced or hypnotized into an identity that says I'm wrong for being me. Now that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden when we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for that was knowledge of separation, knowledge of a split between good and evil. The truth is there is no difference between good and evil. They're actually neutral forms. It's what we do with that energy that makes the difference. And because we believe that something can be evil or we can be evil, we can certainly act that out, just like we can believe that we don't have enough money and therefore we act that out. So... Thichnot Han says this about uh, good and evil, which I think is very applicable to what we're, our discussion is today. He wrote this in his book called Essential Writings. He said, people think it's impossible to establish a system of ethics without referring to good or evil. But clouds float, flowers bloom, and wind blows. What need have they for distinction between good and evil? There are people who live like clouds, flowers, and wind who don't think about morals, and yet many people point to their actions and words as religious and ethical models, and they praise them as saints. These saints simply smile. If they revealed that they do not know what is good and what is evil, people would think they were crazy. So you see that paradigm is is we have been hypnotized into believing in good and evil so much that it's crazy to not believe in it. In the same way that we once upon a time believed that the sun revolved around the earth and thought it was crazy to think otherwise, we now think that we don't have enough money, enough time, enough energy, enough hope, enough joy, enough peace, enough love, enough food, enough clothes, enough housing. We, we believe we don't have enough. And so we live that out. And we, in the same way that a child who, who is taught that he's wrong or bad for being who he is as a right brain person will live that out, will live a, uh, an existence that says, I'm not good enough. It will be manifested in all of his actions, in all of his creations, in everything he does. So that's exactly what's happened with us. So we believed 
that there was good and evil and that we were separate from the divine and that God was good, the divine was good, and we were evil. And that's what we've lived out ever since. We have a belief that we're just not quite good enough. We're never going to be good enough. There'll always be evil on the world. In the world, that's what we say. We say that there's always going to be that to fight, and we have to fight the good fight against evil. And in that same way, we have that same, uh, similar belief about money, time, energy, hope, joy, peace, food, clothes, housing. We, ha- we have that same belief that says, I'm separate from the divine, and, there, and, and because I'm separate from the divine, I also know that I'm less than the divine, and therefore, whatever I produce is not going to be enough. Only the divine could give me enough, and the divine is very withholding. (laughs) And while we're praying to the divine to give us everything we want, what we could be doing is trusting that we already have it. And that's the difference between people who can live an abundant life and people who don't. And that's the only difference. There is no instruction that you should bargain with the universe to, to attract what you don't have. Because just the very idea that you don't have it and you have to attract it is based in division, in separation, in an idea that we're separate from the divine, that we are not divine beings, and that we don't already have everything. So the minute you start working with that law of attraction based on the idea that you don't have something and that, and that you have to attract it, you're already living into the belief system that still says that we're separate from the divine. And that nothing we do can do anything about that. All we can do is work really hard on those vision boards and and on our belief systems to try to repress every negative thought or every negative feeling so that the gods will be good to us and give us what we want. And that's the same exact paradigm that we had back in the old ancient days when we sacrificed a bull or a lamb or some wheat or something like that to please the gods so that they would give us a a good crop of of wheat next year or a a lot of uh, little lambs next year or a lot of little calves next year. Uh, That We were bargaining. We're bargaining with the universe because we believe that's how we're going to live. The whole idea of survival, the soul survival mode is a trance state that says, if I do these things, then I will survive. But the truth is, as a divine being, my survival depends entirely on the life force within me. Period. End of subject. So if I live out of that life force, then I will survive. I will do more than survive. I will thrive. I will live. And I will even live abundantly. But if I live out of the idea that my health is always, you know, something to be worried about, I'm not going to have enough money or enough time or enough energy or enough hope or enough joy, peace, food, clothes, or housing, then I'm going to live that out. And it's going to be really hard for us to break through this trance state because we've lived in it for so long that we've begun to prove it true. We've begun to say to ourselves that evil is always there. I mean, look around. We have your Idi Amin's and we have your Hitler's and we have your Saddam Hussein's and we have the evil dictators of the world and we have terrible earthquakes that just happened like in Nepal and, and, and death and, and poverty and evil everywhere. How can we possibly believe that we're divine beings? Well, that proves it, doesn't it? That sort of cinches it. It makes us believe we're looking around, right? We can see it. We can see it with our own eyes. So it must be true. But a lot that we see with our own eyes is based on the vision behind the eyes. And the vision behind the eyes could be 
a conscious awareness of who we are as divine beings, which would eliminate that. If one or two of us have it, three or four of us can get it. And three or four of us have it, then five or six of us can get it. If five or six of it have us, six of us have it, then seven or eight of us can get it. And that's how that works. We begin slowly to evolve over time to see who we are as divine beings. And as that happens, we bring more and more abundance to the planet, which already has abundance, because we recognize it is there. There's an old story, and I think that Clarissa Pinkola Estes told this story on one of the radio shows. I interviewed her four times, and it's on one of those, I'm fairly sure. She told a story, and I'm going to tell it again now, about a man who wanted to send his sons out into the world to earn their living and start their lives. And he had uh, three sons, and he lined them up on the mountaintop, and he said, look, that whole world is yours. You go out there and get what, what belongs to you and make your life. And he gave each one of them some money, and he said, you know, go, go create the life you want. And one of them headed off to the north, and the other one headed off to the east, and the other ones, the, the one in the middle just stood there. The father walks around the son for a little while, and he just keeps walking around him and walking around him, and he finally says, what are you doing? Go. Go find your life. What are you, you're standing right here. I gave you some money. Go. And the son just keeps standing there, standing there, and standing there, and he's looking around at the panorama in front of him, and you can tell that he's kind of trying to make a decision about what he's going to do. But he just keeps standing there. And the father finally gets frustrated and throws his hands up and says, I'm done with you. I'm going home. And he, so he heads off. Well, in a little while, the son looks down at the dirt between his feet. And he bends over. And he takes a stick that's beside him. And he starts digging in the soil underneath his feet. And then he starts digging big scoops of dirt out. And then he starts digging more and more out and more and more out till. It's finally taken him a day or two to dig down really deep into the soil. And what happens is he finally finds a treasure chest right there under his own feet. He had to dig a while for it, but he found it. And that's how it is for all of us. The abundance we want is already there. We may have to dig under all the masks and costumes we wear, all the, the belief systems we have that tell us we don't have enough, all the compromises we've made with a seeming reality that makes us feel hopeless. All of those things, we may have to dig down under those things to find it, but the treasure is already there. We don't have to attract it. We don't have to... Uh, uh, to um, um, go out to the external world to find it. It's inside of us. It's inside of us. It's always been there and it always will be. It is your deepest, truest, divine nature. And that's the truth of who you are. And it's the the art of living an abundant life. So an abundant life is one that's filled with joy and peace and love and plenty. Plenty of all the things that we need. The question is, what do we need? And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. So you're going to want to be here for that. The question is, what do we need? But the answer is, it's already supplied. There's a, another passage in the Psalms of the Tanakh of the Jewish Bible and the, and the Old Testament of the Christian Bible that, uh, that many, many, many people know. It's Psalm 23. And it says, This Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
when Jesus was talking to the uh, disciples about not worrying about tomorrow, he said, your father already knows you need those things. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. And, and that's the English translation. I think it goes a, a little bit more something like this. Seek your own internal nature. And what you'll find is that everything you want is already there. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We're going to find out more about how it is that we can seek that and find that. And we're also going to talk about um, this whole thing of what it is to live in joy and abundance. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss that part. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you a spiritual seeker? Have you always pondered the deeper questions in life? Have you looked at many spiritual paths and found some answers but are looking for more? The Open Door brought to you by the Summit Lighthouse, brings you each week practical spiritual teachings and tools that promote self-mastery, higher consciousness, and the opportunity to connect with the Ascended Masters. Join Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy as we explore the universe of spirituality, live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the 7th Wave Channel. Are you ready to shift into higher consciousness? Are you ready for contact with beings from higher dimensions? Ancient and new spiritual technologies will help you take that evolutionary step. Find out more about this powerful shift when you tune in to Conscious Evolution Radio with Ann Gelsheimer. Let's help humanity evolve, bringing in the best possibilities and ideas that our world needs right now. Conscious Evolution Radio can be heard live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the art of abundant living. And what we've said so far today is that the uh, that we are blind to the fact that we already own everything on the planet and beyond. And uh, we've talked also about how we came to that place where we were hypnotized into believing that we don't really own anything and that we have to strive and reach out and, and, and take and, and earn 
what what really is already ours. And I said we were going to talk a little bit about the art of uh, the actual practicality of living uh, an abundant life and also about what it is that we need because that, that has to be fielded first. We have to understand what it is we need if we're going to live an abundant life because we th- we, we've been taught to believe that we need food, clothing, housing, money, you know, lots of time, uh, lots of energy to get what we want done so that we can accomplish what we need to accomplish and live a productive, decent life, right? <laughs> Haven't we all been taught that? That's the American way. And uh, yes, I, I don't dispute that we want to live a, a, a really um, peaceful life and, that, and, and uh, that we want to live fully aware and fully abundant. But we've got it backwards, really. We, we've got the external issues first instead of the internal issues so what we need first and foremost is to recognize who we are as divine beings once we do that as jesus put it all those other things will be added unto us those things are outcroppings of realization of who we are they are not in and of themselves separate and distinct from us they are a part of us when Time, energy, hope, joy, peace, food, clothing, housing, money, all of those things are a part of us. Why? Because we are one with everything. There is nothing that is separate from us. Everything that we need is already ours. The first thing we need to do, therefore, is is to wake up to that fact. To wake up to the realization that we are divine beings, we are not separate from the divine, divine, we are divine, and that we just have forgotten that because we've been so entranced with this idea that we're separate from the divine and therefore have to strive to get back into the good graces of the divine in order to, you know, continue to live separate from the divine but try to live a good life. Um, that isn't the truth of our existence. The truth of our existence is that we are divine beings. And so what we need is to become, to become aware of that. Now, how does a person do that? Well, it's a process first. It's a process of awakening. It's like saying, how do you get into the flow? Well, you're already in the flow. You just don't know it yet. You just have to wake up to that, and then you, then you can feel that, and you can follow the flow. Um, it's the same thing with waking up to who we are as divine beings. What I recommend to people to do first is to to spend some time in meditation and silence and stillness so that you, so that the stillness begins to speak to you. It's not you spending time in meditation trying to get your mind to believe something. That's never going to work. It's you sitting in the silence and allowing the silence to speak. Because what happens when we sit in meditation, if you want to think about it in computer terms, is that we get downloads of information that, that change us, that transform us internally. So that when we spend time with silence and allow the silence to just give us its presence, then what happens is we begin to wake up to the truth and the reality of who we are. And that's a very spiritual experience. It's a very, what Carl Jung would have called a numinous experience. And it, it by itself can transform us entirely and wake us up entirely to allowing us to see who we are. That doesn't mean you won't have any issues after that. We still live on planet Earth. But it does mean that you can begin the process of waking up to who you are as an authentic divine being. Uh, and that process is an unfolding over time, where you become genuinely not forcing yourself, not not trying to, to, 
strive to get yourself into the mindset that you are uh, you are a divine being or that you have everything you need, but rather just gently sitting with the silence, which will inform you of that. It will inform you through the peaceful feelings. It will inform you through body sensations. It will inform you through through uh, new ways of thinking. It will inform you with a more peaceful walk. It will inform you with great periods of joy. It will inform you, and you will know then who you really are. Um, and so I, I suggest that people do that. Uh, this thing of affirmations, I think affirmations are good in the de- to the degree that they help us become aware of what's really true inside of us. I don't think I would recommend using an affirmation to change your mind, although I have in the past recommended that, I have to confess. I, but I've changed my mind about that. I think that um, what that generally does is it helps us to repress uh, stuff we don't want to think about. <laughs> so if I'm saying to myself, I am a very wealthy person, I am one with the divine, and I, everything belongs to me. Well, you know, while that's true, what is it that I'm repressing along the way to do that? My doubt, my fear, my, my, um, my, uh, my belief systems that say I'm separate from the divine, I'm sort of just repressing them. Where are they going to go? They're going to go back into the unconscious and come back up later in another time when I make a crack in my consciousness that allows room for it. And so that's not really going to help. It's, it's not making anything go away. We have this belief that if we can repress something long enough and hard enough, it will just go away. Uh, and that's just not true. It comes back and it will always come back because it's energy. And we've tried to push that energy away. What we need to do is sit with that energy like we're sitting with the silence and allow it to be what it is in the silence so that the silence can slowly begin to transform it. And by silence, I mean that that stillness that comes about when we can just, for even a few seconds, um, dis, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Not dismiss, but re- actually... Um, allow room for the presence of stillness and uh, it starts you know just kind of slowly with you being able to sit in meditation and and be present with whatever is in the room with you whatever is coming up inside of you a kind of mindfulness that just says oh I see that and I see that and I see that and I see that and I feel that but you're not really participating in it you're just sort of observing it and and that's the beginning of silence. Once you get into the observer mode, you are beginning to uh, address the stillness. Maybe just touching the hem of that garment, but just addressing the stillness that, that you're recognizing that back here, I don't have to participate in all those things that are going on in my brain, all the worries about what I'm going to do today, all the things I think the boss is going to say today. You know, I forgot to fill my tank up with gas, and now I've got to go do that. And those thongs, things are flowing through your brain, but you're not participating. You're just watching that flow through. And you might even watch the emotion that comes up in response to it. And that puts you back into the place where stillness is. And you're, you're now in the stillness. And the more you can participate with the stillness, the less those other thoughts have any meaning or merit right now. Right now, and the more you participate in the stillness and are present with it, the more it begins to speak to you and transform you, because stillness has that capacity. It has that capacity to um, quietly 
but deliberately transform us from the inside out. And uh, so that's very definitely recommended by the Bhagavad Gita. The Buddha nature is that nature that has detached from all things. It's recommended by Taoism. It's recommended even in the Christian texts. It's recommended in the Jewish Tanakh. It's recommended in all of the religions of the world that if we can step back and let go and just be with what is instead of trying to judge it or make it go away, then we begin to be in that observer mode, which is also the mode of stillness, and we begin to be transformed. Even Paul, and uh, I I have to confess that Paul's not one of my favorite biblical writers, uh, but even Paul said, let yourselves be transformed and I can't remember exactly, it's Romans, uh, Romans 8, 2, I believe, that says, let yourself be transformed internally by the transformation of your mind. And so he's talking about this very same thing, that you can allow yourself to be transformed by the stillness. It's the same thing that says, be still and know that I am God, because in the stillness we come to know that we are God. In the stillness we come to know that we are divine beings. And uh, so that that's a very, very, very important part of this process of the art of living abundantly is to come to know who we are as divine beings. And as we do that, what begins to happen is that we begin to depend on that to be our supply instead of depending on the external world to be our supply. And that makes a huge change in how we view life. So my, my supply, the, the things that I want and need, my clothing, my housing, my money, my food, my, all those external things do not come from being kind to the boss or manipulating the boss or trying to strive after a better job or going after a job I hate just to earn more money or any of that stuff. That's not where it comes from. It comes from, from what it, the stillness inside of me. It comes from my very divine nature. And what we learn then is that what we have is abundance. And then what happens is more doors begin to open and we begin to be able to see the door so that we can walk through it and we begin to have more and more joy. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a billionaire. <laughs> okay, I want to be really clear about that. Money is not abundance. I want to be really clear, and, and I hear you all out there saying, yeah, but I run a business, and a business operates on money. No, the business doesn't operate on money. The business operates on the essence of the divine within it. And when you get there, that's when we begin to really experience the abundance of that business. So it's, it really is about changing, transforming the mind to believe what is really true, which is that we are divine beings who have forgotten who we are. And in, in that process, the body begins to change. The body begins to come more in alignment with the truth of the, the de- deep essence of divine nature that we are. The mind begins to change to get more in alignment with the deep essence of divine nature that we are. The, the, uh, we have heard the stories about the yogis who are able to do these amazing things with the body because they are coming from the stillness. They're coming from that deeper, what I would call divine nature. They might call it something else, chi, prana, something else. But I call it uh, divine nature. Uh, the Buddha called it, or the people that came after the Buddha called it the Buddha nature. So it's that deepest core essential 
essence of who we are. And it's that that is our source and supply, not clamoring after some job that's going to give you X amount of money. Not to say that you shouldn't have that job. Maybe that job really does match your core essence. But that's what it's really about, not the money. So I'm not saying we don't we don't we shouldn't think about money. I am saying that money is not your supply. I am clearly saying that money is not your supply, and I'm clearly saying that time is not your supply. And I'm clearly saying that waiting for the world to change is not your supply of hope. Not uh, waiting for other people to get it right or for you to get into the right job or the right relationship is not your joy. These things all come from inside. They come from inside of us. So our source and our supply is the divine nature within us. And that's the truth and the art of abundant living. So when we want to establish that art, what we're creating is a vision of ourselves as divine beings who are absolutely have all the same powers, the divine, and can establish our own peace from not from the ego or from the personality or from the identity but from that silence it does it for us so we're to cease striving in order to know that we're divine we're not to strive after it okay so that's what we got today we're going to be talking next week to Simran Singh I'm really looking forward to that conversation with her and you're going to be enjoying that conversation as well so be here for that And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.